With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, there it is. When that beat crashes in, you know it's time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to... I tried to time it. I tried to time it. (laughs) Brand new theme song, ladies and gentlemen. This is amazing. DLC. Yeah, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. We know, you know, the DLC is brought to you by our patrons over at DLC Pod. Excuse me, patreon.com slash DLC Pod. They're bringing the show to you. If you'd like to be one of them, or at least check out the perks that you could get if you were one of them, head over there, patreon.com slash DLC Pod. You can get ad free episodes, bonus content, including our paid DLC bonus show, and so much more. DLC, of course, your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free. DLC is a show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy... Who's also loving our new logo, which I hope you saw on our album art if everything went according to plan, which it very well may not have. But you'll know before we know. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everyone. I am uh, at the beach. So my video and everything's a little different. My audio is probably a little different. But we are here. We have new theme song, new logo. Same everything else. But that's (laughs) it's a new era. It is the new era. The post five by five era. This is all made possible because of our patrons. Thank you, patrons. We were able to pay for a new theme song from White Cube, which is Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. Uh, Love that. Custom made for the show. Love it. Take that, Elon Musk. Take that, Elon Musk. Exactly. (laughs) No longer will you hear our theme song in ads uh, and uh, various uh, things all across the internet. Uh, It only took us eight years to get our own theme song. (laughs) But it also was because of our patrons. Uh, And I'm super grateful to White Cube, uh, Jason Sherry, and T. Ryan Arnold. They have awesome music. You should check out their music. We will have a link in the show notes. And patrons will get this theme song delivered to them as well, because we're grateful for that. The new logo, which I hope you have saw, the patrons have already seen, uh, designed by Corey Schmitz. We're super excited. It's a new era, and it's happened because of you. But... Ladies and gentlemen, we couldn't start a new era without one of our favorite people. What better person to bring on for the first show with the new logo, with the new theme song? You know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I am so excited because once again, DLC stands for 
deciding on likable content because that's deciding what's good and from what's <laughs> good games the what's good empire our friend one of our longtime friends andrea renee is back with us hey andrea how are you What's good, guys? I feel like I need my glow sticks or something. That yeah. theme music got me all amped up. It's good, right? Well, you know, we've had the same uh, free, uh, copyright-free theme song for eight years. And we we floated the idea to folks that we were going to have a, a finally update the, the theme song. And people are like, oh, no, it must be hype. It must get me excited. It, the, that is the one requirement. So that was the only requirement I told uh, the fellows at White Cube is like, it's got to bring the hype. So hopefully it did that. Oh, absolutely. It did. It's such a fun, unique moment coming up with a identifying sound for a show. I remember when we went through that process, when we launched What's Good Games, I very gratefully had a friend who's a professional composer who actually works a lot in video games, Dale North, that composed the What's Good Games theme. And awesome. he was the first person and only person that I would have trusted with composing some podcast music. But like when you go to somebody who composes and they're like, so what do you want it to sound like? You're like, oh, ha, um, I want it to be cool. awesome. I want it to be cool. Is that a <laughs> yeah, word yeah. that I can yeah. use? You want everyone to like, like it? I don't know how to describe music like that. <laughs> yeah. That's where yeah. artists that know their craft are the best. Same with like the logo. Like Corey, I love everything he's ever touched. And it was like the conversation. It's like, you know, it's like a thing that's like a feeling of like the wind on my back on a cool <laughs> summer day. And he's like, you mean this? And I'm like, clearly that's exactly what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. But like Christian said, new logo, new theme song new delivery format no longer part of the network as you know but same old show and that means we start the way we always do the story of the week story of the week it's the story of the week story of the week it's the story of the week story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week and you can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com you can also send comments or questions, even your own reviews of games if you'd like to hear those on the show. Um, but also, you could participate in one of our communities on Discord, we're 5x5DLC, and on the subreddit, which is 5x5DLC.reddit.com. But Andrea, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Man, this is a tough one because there's some really good ones. I feel like my gut says the like the most like the biggest story is the Witcher um, mm. announcement from CD Projekt Red. Like I think we all in our minds knew that more Witcher was coming because of just how wildly successful the Witcher Three Wild Hunt was for CD Projekt Red. Yes, but I think that I just assumed that they'd be working on Cyberpunk for a couple more years before <laughs> we heard about it, or they would just keep making things for Gwent because I get so many emails about Gwent. <laughs> <laughs> next Gwent expansion is out. I was like, gosh, how many people are playing Gwent? I would really love to know. But I'm Gwent's excited that they're working on more. I actually just finished season two of the Netflix series mm. because I was a little bit behind. I didn't get to watch it back in December. And why, why were you busy? You know, I have <laughs> this toddler now, which is still technically an infant. She'll be a toddler in a couple months. Not like you guys would know anything about that, right? Right. Yeah. Um, that is wild is though a- to think that I. I didn't have a baby the last time we did the show together. And now I'm like part of like the, the young parent club. 
Yeah. But thank you it's... for calling us young, Andrea. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe what I meant to say was parent of young kids club. There you oh. go. Okay. Now I feel worse, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. You know what? My kids are younger than Christians, so I win. Yeah, you win. Um, but uh, I, basically what I'm trying to say is it made me want to jump back in to The Witcher 3. And that was a game that I walked away from because it just wasn't really gripping me in the way that I had hoped it would. And I know that what I played of it, I played probably like the first 30-ish hours of it, which is, you know, a decent time to sink into an RPG. But of course, it's just scratching the surface on all the content in The Witcher 3. But after reading, I started, so I started reading the books because of the series, because I watched season one of the Netflix show and was lost. Had no <laughs> idea what was going on. Yeah, season and one was partially like... because of the storytelling in that their director directorial choices and the way that they chose to unfold the story, but also like I had no idea like what was happening in the book. So I've been reading the books, and that has got me more interested in the series. And now that I've finished the series, I'm like, oh, I think I got to go back now and replay. I actually really want to go back and play The Witcher Two because I vividly remember talking about that game with Garnet back on We Can Confirm. Yeah. Which feels like a lifetime ago. Which it, only because it was a lifetime ago. <laughs> I mean, you've created a life a life in that time. So yeah, it's true. Uh, yes, I, I think Witcher Two is really good. I, I really enjoyed it. It, it. I think Witcher Three refines it uh, and makes it feel much more modern, and it feels much more like a you know game now. Because Witcher Two is is a, is clunky in a lot of ways, but really cool how much choice affects your decisions in that game. And there's whole sections of the game that are closed off to you or opened up to you based on big decisions in Witcher 2. Anyway, uh, more Witcher, I think, is is exciting. My question is, you know, you, you outlined all of the reasons why CD Projekt Red would probably dip back in. Obviously, the Netflix show, very, very popular. People are into this IP in different ways, in fresh ways. It's, it's, it's been an extremely popular, uh, high-selling game for them for a long time, but also this rejuvenated interest because of the Netflix show, but also, uh, you know, the, the cyberpunk didn't do so good. So it feels yeah, like let's... Well, let's... I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's what was really exciting to me about the announcement. So for people who didn't see it, the big kind of headline about the announcement was not just that a new Witcher is under development, because obviously it was, but that they are, in fact, partnering with Epic Games for Unreal Engine 5 and yeah. n kind of moving away from their Red Engine, which is what the previous games were built on, going to what they're kind of dubbing Red 2.0, which I think is super important because it was obvious to all of us that there were engine problems in Cyberpunk 2077, and I think it's going to be good for both the dev team and for players that they move to a platform or to an engine that has a lot of technical support. And Unreal is one of the, if not the, you know, de facto engine to build games on right now. So. Yeah. Well, it feels to me a little bit like, I mean, I don't want to cast aspersions because who knows, this was probably already in the works well before it, but it does have a little scent of you go to the concert and the band plays their new stuff and everybody's like, play your old stuff. We loved your old stuff. And then they're like, oh, oh okay, here's our uh, greatest hits, you know. Um, but well, to be fair to that point, when the band announced their new stuff, everybody was very ready to like their new stuff. Right. right? Yeah. And then the, the album idea. drops and people are like, this doesn't sound like Freebird. You know, whatever. <laughs> right. Uh, it, it wasn't the idea of new stuff. Right. It was how new stuff came out. Um, yes. and, and so I think 
you know, Andrew had touched on it a little bit and, and they did talk about, they're still going to continue to work on cyberpunk. Like cyberpunk is not, they're not, you know, cut and burn away from it, but it, it is interesting to see cause that game originally had a, uh, described disclosed roadmap of like years mm-hmm. of content. Yeah. Um, DLC and stuff that we're going to have for years to come. Yeah. And it kind of seems like now maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, my biggest question to you, Andrea, and, and, Maybe I'm misremembering this. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I seem to recall them being very clear that The Witcher 3 was the last Geralt of Rivia game. Well, they did say in the teaser image that came out, it says a new saga. Right. So there's been a lot of kind of deep dive theorizing of super fans online. If you look at the medallion that's in the teaser image, it's not the wolf medallion that Geralt of Rivia wears. It is, in fact, a lynx and has been confirmed by CDPR to be a lynx. Now, there is no lynx school in Witcher canon. Mm. And so that's kind of leading the internet to kind of come up with theories that maybe this is a new school of Witchers that perhaps Siri is going to be heading up and it's going to be a game focused on her where you play as Siri. Maybe it's going to be a brand new Witcher or what some people are hypothesizing, which I think is kind of interesting and would be fun is if you get to create your own Witcher and there is no canon character, but in fact it's like a UGC character where you kind of, you know, kind of build your own character creator Witcher in within the Witcher universe. That'd we were cool. talking about it on WGG last week and how fun it would be if it wasn't just Witchers because there's so many different kinds of cool archetype characters in the Witcher lore. Like what if you could make a sorceress or a druid yeah. or an elf or a dwarf you know like there's so many kinds of cool characters that much more a role-playing game than exactly it went full rpg and really kind of let you roll your character that way but it would be a big change for cdpr to do a game like that might be really cool though i mean obviously there's lots of role-playing uh choice at the beginning of uh of cyberpunk so right so they've already dipped their feet into that kind of uh, i mean i want to see elf genitals don't you (laughs) they would sparkle so much and are very Uh, pointy very (laughs) pointy too pointy let's be honest um what do you think about that christian is that what are you hoping for from a witcher game i mean obviously this is not happening anytime soon right we're multiple years away probably a lot of multiples yeah yeah, 2027 (laughs) was what i joked when we'll get to play (laughs) yeah you know I think kind of exciting for fans of CD Projekt Red and 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 fans. Do you think this kind of let me let me frame it this way, Christian? Why do you think they announced it now? Unreal Five, I think, is why they announced it now, um, and also because they're probably going to be seeing some recruiting and some hiring and some technical information kind of come out, and I think it's good to get ahead of that stuff versus. Mm. Someone, oh, this person that used to work at Epic is now over at CDPR and doing. I, you know, I think it's kind of good to get ahead of it. And they didn't do a, they didn't do a release date. They didn't do. It's just that we are working on this style thing. I, I liked the the style of announcement they made. Um, uh, I hope that it's one. I would love it if it was Keanu Reeves because I thought his work in cyberpunk was great i liked him i like that character and i like that he's already been in unreal engine i know it's not going to be him as the witcher but he was already in the <laughs> unreal engine 5 in the matrix uh demo that came out they already have a great <laughs> scan of keanu um 
and no, it's not going to be him, but that Matrix demo really sold me on the idea of Unreal Engine 5. And so a huge RPG world that is built out on that technology is super exciting, I think. And so hopefully it, uh, it it's wild to me that in the scope of one game, CD Projekt Red seemed to have gone from can't miss to I hope their next game's good. You know, oh, like, come on. I think that's a little hyperbolic. A maybe. lot of people, in fact, millions of people loved Cyberpunk and it was lauded as being a wonderful RPG by a ton of outlets as well. No denying that they had technical problems on the console launch, but I think the PC version was almost universally loved by people that played it. And now the new console version for PS5 and Xbox Series X is getting a new wave of praise as being a great game. So I, I don't want to like poo-poo it too much. No. I think Cyberpunk was still a, a good game. It wasn't like trash. It wasn't like Alien Colonial Marines, right? <laughs> so. No, and, and we talked about it on this show. Like <laughs> I played it on PC on a 3080 and I had a really good time with it. But I do think it has – Witcher and Witcher 3 and Wild Hunt just have this – aura around them as like one of the best games of all time style thing and whenever cyberpunk is talked about for better or worse it it doesn't have that it has the the problems and the development stuff and the patches and this that and the other and i think it is interesting when you have these big games and the studio is kind of defined by these huge tent poles it kind of is that bellwether of like whatever you make i'm gonna buy it. here's my tattoo and then it's like <laughs> the next one is like i don't know anymore um I'm I'm optimistic, but I agree with both of you that it's going to be a while before we find out. For sure. Yeah, for sure. But I'm excited. I mean, I want, I've been a CD Projekt Red fan for a long time. And I was, I was one of those people that was disappointed by cyberpunk. Um, and I want them, I want them to be redeemed. I, I want the next Witcher game to be phenomenal. And I'm actually really excited about Andrea's take on it. Like, yes, make it a full role-playing game. Make it a, you know, let me craft my own character. I, I think part of the joy of the Witcher games is the storytelling and the storytelling is a, you can, you have the license to create a story that's more specific when you have a very specific character that you're playing. Right. But I think that hasn't stopped a lot of uh, great role-playing games from having great stories. And I think that would be a really cool way to make it, make it happen. So. I will uh, say that I, uh, in another game we'll talk about later, I created my own character where I could create any tag character I wanted I really loved it. I thought it was really cool. And then I finished and zoomed out and I was like, oh, I just made Geralt. That's all I did. It's literally <laughs> just. <laughs> all, all roads lead to Geralt. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to pull back the curtain for a second because uh, we're recording right now on Sunday night and uh, it's the Oscars are happening. And I don't know about you guys, but my phone just exploded. Oh, because you were going to say something else at first. Will Smith Will just Smith, punched Chris Rock on stage? Yeah, Will Smith just walked on stage and smacked Chris Rock for making a joke about his wife. Anyway, just thought that'd be a fun thing for people listening later who went, oh, that <laughs> happened in real time while they, they were recording the show. Well, literally honest. everyone I know has texted me, what is going on at the Oscars right now? This is insane. But well, the now I have to that, like pull it up. <laughs> will just be Oscar viewership up this year. <laughs> well, it's going to be up now. It's a yeah. spike now because everybody's tuning in to see like why did he just assaulted Chris Rock on stage for making a joke about his wife? But hey, Crazy. nobody saw it, you know, because who's watching Crazy. the Oscars? Am I right? Not me. Am I? Anyway, sorry to sidetrack everybody. 
but I just thought it's one of those things that when I listen to a podcast and then something happens in real time that had already happened, that, you know, when I'm listening to it, it's the past, but for them, it's the present. It's always a fun thing. Yeah. As well, well to, to that point, Jeff and Andrea, I will say this. I cannot believe what Sony announced this week. Uh, holy moly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Predicting. I mean, we were expecting the one announcement, but getting the other one also. Wow. What a week Sony's having. <laughs> All right, Christian, what is your story of the week? Uh, recording on Sunday and Tony hasn't made their announcements yet, but they have, we will have nuanced discussion of that uh, after, you know, next week's show for right now, I guess what I'm most excited to announce is that I've started a game studio and I'm ready to be acquired. If anyone wants to acquire me, <laughs> I, I haven't made a game yet, but I have a really, I have, I don't have a team either, but uh, I have a Fortunately, you don't, you don't have a reputation either. Of, no, uh, I haven't made any games. I mean, I have reputation. It's just not for, game yeah. development unfortunately ask my kids it's a different reputation um a little strict i think um no but sony the the acquisition game is not over and sony acquired jade raymond's studio haven which is her new studio um jade is former ubisoft former um stadia she was leading the internal projects at stadia and then started her own studio haven in canada and Sony acquired them. Um, they haven't put out a game yet or kind of talked about what they were doing other than publicly it was going to be a AAA live service style game. And that seems to be what Sony was interested in is getting more into that live service game dev. Um, and yes, I can see you both looking up the Will Smith thing as I'm talking and neither of you are paying attention. And I'll keep talking. <laughs> But I wanted to call it's that a out crazy real moment, time to Come our on. listeners as I'm trying to get through this story. Um, I had the decency to at least mute my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at the beach, guys. Come on. Um, and uh, I think it's interesting because Jade has made some of been involved in some of the, you know the biggest IPs over the years. She, I think, she was attached to a Star Wars project for a little while, also. Um, right, because she was working at Motive, right? Uh, yes. So th- so I think what's interesting about this story too, Christian, is that a lot of people have no idea wh- who Haven Studios is. I tweeted about this news and was like, I think this is really exciting. I'm glad they found a home. And a lot of people were like, who's Haven? Why should I care about who they are? And I was like, that's a very valid point because a lot of people don't know the name Jade Raymond, right? Because she mm-hmm. hasn't published a game in a long time. It's been a while because she's just kind of, bounced from project to project and kind of found these unfortunate dead ends because sometimes that's just the way creative development works. And the stuff with Google was such a bummer all around that she went to build this incredible team and brought a bunch of really talented developers on board. And then Google's like, actually, we're going to like divert some of these funds. I think we as industry pundits saw that writing on the wall a long time ago. And it was really disappointing that Jade didn't see that writing on the wall earlier. And like all of those devs lost, lost their jobs. And so I'm glad that she was able to give them a home at Haven. Now Haven has a home at PlayStation and hopefully PlayStation won't do to Haven what Google did to them. Yeah. And that she'll actually be able to publish something cool. Cause I think she's, super talented and yet hasn't been able to shine in a long time because she's just kind of run into these business problems. Like, I don't like, I don't know a better, more succinct way to to say it other than that, but it's just like, it's a bummer, man. What's been kind of happening to her creative journey. Yeah. yeah all- I think you put it right when you, when you say dead ends, like she's just been these things that sound really promising and really high profile and they, 
you know, she walks out on stage at the event and it's, it, and she's really excited and you can tell she's revving up for something big and talking about these huge projects that are going to be, you know, you know, big brand new IP and, and really ambitious AAA games. And then it's a dead end. And then it happens, it's happened what, two or three times now in a row. And uh, it feels like this is a, a more sure thing going with Sony, but we still don't know. And I, my biggest question is, how much starting from zero does she have to do and her and and her studio have to do, you know, is it like, okay, well, all of that stuff is still owned by Google, you know, all the work that was revving up for whatever that was going to be. Now you have to switch gears and start from nothing or how does that even work? And how far off is this studio from making something? But clearly, uh, you know, Hulst and the team at Sony really believe in this studio enough to acquire it. So I've, I've heard from several folks over the years that she is incredible at building teams, incredible teams and getting incredible people together and, and do things. And despite running into dead ends, that's kind of always been the underlying theme with a lot of her projects. It's incredible teams that can make incredible things. And then as you mentioned, Andrea, sometimes despite all of that, things just don't happen. And so I think for Sony, it's that and showing that investment in the online service games, kind of like their purchase of Bungie, where they then also let them kind of keep Destiny still. Like they they seem to be really investing in that always online. Let them keep Destiny. Just keep it. But we want your tech for other stuff. I don't know. And then also, I think it's important for Sony to get a foothold into that hot and very talented Canadian developer market. There are a lot of incredible studios and developers that are working out of Canada and Sony, I believe this is their first studio there. And hopefully it creates that pipeline for talent to have another place to work instead of, you know, some of the other big studios there and they can build uh, great things. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the quote was that, um, Jade Raymond and her team were making a persistent, scalable online game for PS5 and PC, which is particularly focused on pushing the technical capabilities of the PS5 console further. That's evidently a direct quote from Jade Raymond herself. That's exciting. That's the kind of thing I I would want a, you know, swinging for the fences, right? That's what I want a developer to be doing. Uh, The UGC stuff, though, is a little concerning to me. Tell me what, tell me what you mean. So, as part of that story, Jade talked about how there's going to be like a user-generated component of the game that they're going to be creating. And that, to me, just raises some red flags because there's very few games, in my opinion, that do UGC content well and have continued to do it well. Yeah. And I think, you know, you automatically think of studios like Moyang with Minecraft or Roblox. Mm-hmm. I think Media Molecule as a studio studio has done UGC stuff as well. I mean, look, we'll look at Dreams and how right. successful that is. But, I mean, not a lot of games can incorporate UGC and incorporate it well, especially in a narrative focused game. Like right. it kind of feels like you got to go, you got to pick a I'm doing a crafted narrative AAA experience or I'm doing sandbox UGC. Like right. doing both to me is like an impossible ask. Well, maybe she's cracked that nut in some brilliant way. You know, that would be cool Let's to hope. see. I definitely yeah. don't want to see that studio fall on their face. I really don't. There's a lot of great people there. I would yeah. love to see them fly. Well, like you said, I you know, it 
I want to see her actually publish a game uh, and, and not just her, but her studio and her, her team. I want to see, you know, she was instrumental in creating the first Assassin's Creed, right? It's clearly there's a, a big potential there. And a lot of people have seen it over the years, but there's just been such a long time period between actually making something that we can play. And so whatever this is, I hope it actually uh, happens. But again, like our first story, this is going to be many years out. Why do oh. you say that, Jeff? There are no other stories this week that would imply that games get delayed ever. I don't know why oh, you would assume. Christian, are you talking <laughs> about the fact that Jeff was right? Oh, I'm so right all the time. Um, well, this one we already kind of knew, but now we, we did get already the kind of know. It's been a, it's official that Suicide Squad was delayed till spring 2023, which is wild to me. It takes uh, a long time to put week. those. It takes a long time to put those uh, detonating chips in the back of people's heads. That's it does. The, yeah, you got to be very precise with that. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to just have a suicide squad duo. Suicide <laughs> duo. You want to have a, a full squad. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> dumb. Um, my story of the week actually is uh, another thing that's probably a, a little while out, but something very exciting to me personally. Um, this is, uh, I guess, technically in the rumor category, but it seems to be pretty well sourced. Um, Ubisoft uh, reportedly has uh, both a new Prince of Persia game in the works, which is separate from the Sands of Time remake that we know about that has been delayed everything's delayed uh but also also a sequel to one of my favorite games of the last few years i think one of the most underrated games a, a total gem immortals phoenix rising i am so excited that this franchise has uh sold enough that is was popular enough to earn a sequel because i loved that first game i just had so much fun playing it I thought it crescendoed at the end in such a spectacular way. I I thought it had wonderful humor. The aesthetic was not great, and I think it turned a lot of people off, but I thought it did the Zelda Breath of the Wild thing template. Uh, you know, it was a it was a Breath of the Wild-like, as we've seen a few things now, Genshin Impact and others. Uh, but it did it really, really well. I thought it refined that that formula very smartly, and I had so much fun with it that I'm super excited that there's going to be more Immortals games. Um, and alongside this rumor is the announcement that Ubisoft has a really big showcase plan this year where it's going to discuss around 20 new and already announced titles. So, Andrea, tell me your take on... Oh, by the way, I should also mention that alongside this is this news that this new Prince of Persia game, which is yeah, as yet unannounced, will be much more along the lines of something like Ori uh, or, you know, like... Uh, a Rayman game. It's a a 2.5D game, like a 3D rendered but two-dimensional game, kind of like a throwback to the original Prince of Persia game back in the old days, old, old days. And starring Jake Gyllenhaal, like the original. <laughs> uh, so, Andrea, uh, any of this exciting to you? What, what, what's your take? Um. Yes, it is. Sorry, I, I have these Discord notifications popping off. I'm like, oh, no. So I closed my Discord window, and then I was like, oh, no, wait. <laughs> Who's Will Smith slapping now? Um, so the Ubisoft stuff I admittedly haven't done a lot of reading on, but I think what's exciting – maybe I should just off the top let you guys know that I don't care about Prince of Persia. Really? At all? 
that you've never played a Prince I've of Persia game that you like? I've never cared about Prince of Persia. Okay. I know people are very excited about it, and I'm happy for you. So let me just start with that being like Prince of Persia does like literally uh, like nothing for me. Um, <laughs> Fair <laughs> but enough. When it comes to like other Ubisoft stuff, I'm a big Ubisoft fan. I love a lot of their franchises. So anything that they're working on, like I normally like keep eyes on, but this is just one of those stories that I haven't really done a lot of reading into. So I feel like Christian should probably give his take first. <laughs> All right. Christian, uh, you liked uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising uh, almost as much as I did, I think. Well, I should say now this is new information to me, but I am not an Andrea Renee fan, apparently. I had no idea before, but now with this Prince of Persia, oh, no. uh, you just came on nothing. stage and slapped Prince of Persia in the face. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's hard. Um, Jeff, how do I say this? It is really hard for me to be excited about any game Ubisoft hasn't even announced yet, because even when they announce them, they disappear forever. You mean like <laughs> and Skull and Bones? Skull and Bones, Beyond Good and Evil 2. Oh, yeah. Um, that whole um, uh, hit record incorporation into the games, which had like some controversy around it with um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but I thought could have maybe made some cool stuff. And yeah, Speaking of UGC, right? Yeah, and, and never materialized and versions of, uh, what was it, the drone for um, The Division. And I've played... I, don't, I think I can say this. If not, I'm sorry. I, I, I've played a lot of their games that haven't come out over the <laughs> years and like those closed <laughs> alphas and stuff like that. And some have some promise and they seem to have just kind of gone a, away. Like I like a lot of what they make, but it seems like a lot of what they make that's not Assassin's Creed um, doesn't come out. All right. Well, like, supposing, supposing that this is legit and these games yes. do come out, Yes. Are you, I mean, what do you think? I I think it's pretty uh, bold to take Prince of Persia back to being a side scrolling game. I mean, there was the, there was the games back on the Apple two in the Commodore, you know, that's what it was. And then it became this, this 3d game with uh, Sands of time and the games past that. I I mean, it's a smart way five or six of them. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a smart way to reintroduce the franchise and hopefully find a way to distinguish it from Assassin's Creed because there was a time where it was like, how is this not, this could be Prince of Persia, what Prince of Persia became, like as you became just kind of living in the world in Assassin's Creed more and more and more and they broke away from that. This is the future. This is the memory kind of approach to it. Um, Hopefully it also means it comes out faster because it is a scaled back game and isn't a hundred hour open world adventure. Mm. Um, And then I hope Immortal the sequel to immortal phoenix rising um i hope they kind of do let that franchise play more what i really loved about it was the playful nature and how it was like self-aware and kind of broke the fourth wall and winked at a bunch of things and i hope they give them the time and resources to find fun cool new ways to do that stuff i think it would be really exciting and it's not just a copy paste new map i'd be less excited about that well, I'm, I'm hoping hoping that Immor- the second Immortals game is like a different mythology because they've sort of done that mythology and I can do, you know, they can transpose it on a different mythology and put Phoenix into a, a new mythology. I think that'd be really cool. But we'll yeah, see I what they do. I think that game did really well for the time period that it was released. I think like December releases 
are so challenging. And that game kind of came out against a lot of other big open world games at the time, yeah. but still managed to find an audience. Like the time that I spent with that game, I really enjoyed. And everybody I talked to that played that game loved it. So I think that that franchise has potential to do really cool things. So I felt like it blended what I loved about Assassin's Creed and what I loved about Breath of the Wild, like into one game yeah, and made yeah. it its own unique thing. It was really, really funny. So I'm yes. glad that they're to see that they're investing and in making another one and hopefully it grabs more people and they come out in a more favorable review window or um launch window throughout the year. Like if they if they had launched that game in January instead of December, I think it could have reached so many more people. I think that's a great yeah. point. Yeah. And I wish it, it was had. competing. I, I feel, feel like it's super underrated. Go ahead, Christian. I was say it was competing with other Ubisoft open world games. <laughs> yes. Like it, yes. it was competing against Valhalla, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's really strange, but clearly it did well enough to uh, merit a ske- sequel, or at least according to this rumor. Um, as far as the 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 Prince of Persia game, I, I am a, a fan of Prince of Persia. I mean, I'm old enough to have played the original. I remember playing it on my computer at home and just being dazzled by the animation. Um, at that time, it was just nothing like it. It was all rotoscoped and amazing. Um, so I guess I was a I'm a Prince of Persia fan for life, just from that experience, and I've enjoyed. I think almost all of them in the rebooted, like no subtitle Prince of Persia that came out in whatever year that was 20, I don't know, long time ago, 2012, 2010, whatever it was, uh, which I think kind of was a misfire for a lot of people. I might be the only person that loved that game. I love mm. that. That was the one where you kind of couldn't fail. It was, a, it was all about traversal. And if you fell at your, your, you know, your friend would come and grab you and pull you back up. I loved that game. It was such a cool, it was almost like a puzzle game of traversal. Um, and it, it really hasn't been anything like it since. I would love them to double down on that, which I doubt they will, because I feel like that's what <laughs> made no more Prince of Persia games come out. But uh, <laughs> I would love for it to feel more like that, this, this wonderful traversal game of, you know, almost like an ollie ollie world uh but not on a skateboard you know like running on the walls and jumping and stuff i think that could be super neat but who knows what they're going to do i wonder if it'll be much more like a uh like an ori or a you know a a sort of a indie platformer that we see a lot of now ori 2 certainly brought more and yes there was news about that studio uh recently as well not to talk about the game without at least bringing that up a little bit um and there's been also continued stories about Ubisoft as, as well. Um, but Ori 2 had more combat even than the first one. Like, it's not yeah. hard for me to see a copy-paste kind of style of, like, that exact game. But you're just a different character, um, you know, running and, and fighting your way through that world. I think could be very exciting. And also, those Rayman games were just drop-dead gorgeous. Oh, like yeah. That. Oh, good. We haven't gotten one in a long time. When was the last Rayman game? It's been a while. Yeah. Legends? A- was that the last one? I think so. I think you're right. That's been at least three it's or been four too years. Long. Right? I mean, they've done some really cool side-scrolling stuff in the Assassin's Creed games, too. Um, I think that, you know, it does make me think it's going to be a smaller scope game if they're committing to doing side-scrolling, but I'm glad you brought up Ori because that's, I think, a really good comparison of a side-scrolling game that did really well and feels like a triple a game and you would think if they're gonna if they're going to invest again in prince of persia and that ip that they would you know dump a lot of money in it so it'll be interesting to see where they go and where they land yeah again three stories this week all of them very far off but i think all of them pretty exciting 
So we shall see. All right. Let's talk about the games that we have been playing. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, which is Shopify. Shopify is more than a store. You can connect to your customers, drive sales, and manage your day today. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big businesses. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. We use it. I use it. Uh, and my my uh, team, I guess, my <laughs> co-conspirators on the Dungeon Run use Shopify. That is the way that we sell products for that show. That show, and it has made our lives so much easier and allowed us to have such a huge variety of options for our customers. And scaling your business often is this journey of possibility, endless possibility. Reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. You can synchronize your online and in-person sales and gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates profit margins, and beyond. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. And I can tell you from firsthand knowledge, it has, like I said, made our process of selling merch so much better. So go to shopify.com slash DLC, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash DLC right now. That's Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash DLC. All right, it is time to talk about the games that we have been playing. And all three of us have been playing uh, another new release. The, the, the release is it's February, March. It's nonstop. It's insanity how these huge AAA releases are just uh, incessant. It's really, it's really too many games. It's, uh, it's too many games. But all three of us have played um, a big new release from 2K this week. Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. Andrea, tell me what you think of that game. I have been having a great time. So full disclosure, I did a really fun sponsored ad with Tiny Tina and the kind of funny kids. If you guys saw the latest Tiny Tina trailer, uh, we're featured playing some of the endgame content in the chaos chambers that as the endgame for Tiny Tina. So just get that out of the way at the top so people know. Um, and I have done, I was part of the Borderlands 3 reveal. So I've done a lot of work with 2K and I'm a diehard Borderlands fan. I know you can't see it on my set right now, but I've got like three different clap traps back there. So <laughs> I was super excited for this game to come out because I think Tiny Tina as a character is so wonderful. And the way that Ashley Birch portrays her is is phenomenal. And it's been really interesting kind of seeing Ashley as a, a voice actress kind of 
evolved Tina as a character from where she started in Borderlands 2 to where she is in Wonderlands. If you guys have played all the way through that content, it's really fun to kind of see how she has grown as an actress because Tiny Tina was kind of one of her first big VO roles in video games way back when Borderlands 2 first came out, which is kind of wild to think about that she's like Aloy now. Yeah. And among many other accolades that Ashley Birch has, but um, so that's been really fun, but the game is just smooth. I think it's everything that you love about a first-person shooter, particularly about Borderlands and that like Schluter uh, genre that Gearbox has really kind of defined or become to known as. But the fantasy backdrop just makes so much sense, and it feels so much more fun to be in than I had in Borderlands Three. And I really love what they did in, in Borderlands 3, particularly the individual loot stream, which is like God tier, and I want every game to have that now. But it just is way better to be in this universe. And I think it's because of the narrative and how handcrafted so much of the story is because of the DM nature of role-playing games and tabletop. Yeah, I'm I'm having a blast with it too. I, I feel like you know we've gotten all these games that have come out recently, you know, your Elden Rings, which we'll talk about in a second, but and 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 tunic and even horizon forbidden west it just feels like game after game after game are these big concentrate on it think about it invest in it <laughs> these demanding like you know huge serious things right <laughs> and and i'm reminded when playing tiny tina's wonderland sometimes i just want to have some fun Sometimes I just want to lean back in my chair, turn on a game, and blow some stuff up and laugh a little bit. It's got a pew pew the stuff. Little pew pews. And it's fun. And, 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 you know, loot pops out of everything. And it just gives me all the nice feeling. And it's just easy. I can turn my brain off to a certain extent. And sometimes that's just great. Christian, I know you've been playing a lot of Destiny, uh, you know, the Witch Queen, which kind of scratches that itch too. And I'm sure a lot of people have that itch scratched by that game right now. But for me, I hadn't really been scratching that itch lately. And I just reminded that sometimes that's what I want to go to a video game for. It's just to, to have an easy breezy fun time. And you are so right, Andrea. I just feel like as much as this feels like a total conversion mod of borderlands in a lot of ways, it's great. It's, it's, so much more fun to be in that world. And Borderlands is a pretty fun world already, but as somebody that plays a lot of D&D, has a D&D show, I am what's certainly... That, uh, what's that D&D show again? The Dungeon Run, which by the oh, way, yeah. my la- last episode is next week. Where, where are people watching The Dungeon Run these days? At twitch.tv slash The Dungeon Run. Oh, okay, cool. Amazing Just of a you good to reminder. Ask, by the way. Thank you. Um, anyway, so I am inclined to already love that aesthetic and get all those inside jokes about, you know, playing on in a, on a table and D and D and all that stuff. But Roll I think for are, initiative baby. Yeah. She's great. I mean, it's great. And it's so well-written. It's, it really, it really is goofy, just the right amount and doesn't take itself seriously at all. And has some big fun twists and turns and the voice cast. Wanda I mean, Sykes, Andy Samberg. Will Arnett, like it's so good. Yeah, it, it almost is like a a full on you know theatrical movie, animated movie voice cast. You know, it's that high tier, uh, and they're all fantastic. And they all, you know, nobody's phoning it in. It feels to me they're all doing a top tier work. 
And it's super fun. And like the new stuff of having an overworld, I thought ha- was handled really well. Um, I, the point I make about it feeling like a total conversion mod is, you know, you start the game and you get, you know, you start with like just a melee weapon and you're like in this fantasy environment and you got a sword or an ax or whatever. And you're, and then, and then they give you your first ranged weapon and it's like this crossbow hand thing. I'm like, wow, are they really going to do Borderlands all in a fantasy thing? And then they're like, nah, nah, we're going to give you machine guns and sniper rifles. Well, it's, it's still Borderlands, dude. I'm sorry. It's, it still is. And to a certain extent, I'm like, that's kind of a cop out, but also it's, fun it's fun and who cares and i like that exactly you know it, it it sort of gives up a little bit in the total conversion of the total conversion you know but i also can't really gripe about it um but christian you've also been playing what's what's your feelings yeah so uh andrea i know i think there was a time when we maybe were going to talk on this show about right when kind of witch queen launched i know we were kind of talking about getting you back on and it was around then um because I know you, you stand. I destiny. unfortunately had to bow out because my whole family got COVID. So sorry <laughs> about that. <laughs> I just thought you were trying to grind for the raid. It's fine. I understand. You I know, sadly you... haven't played enough of Witch Queen, but I have been playing. It's such a wonderful game, and I know we have talked for years about our our love for Destiny, and that's what brought me to Tiny Tina's. Like I was not a big Borderlands three fan. I love Borderlands two. I played it a lot of it again on my Vita. Like I was that one person who bought it and was like, yes, this is how I will replay this 80 hour experience on a handheld with tiny little nubs. Because again, it's just fun. It's how I played Diablo on my switch. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great way to play it. Um, Borderlands three, I felt kind of really didn't do anything new. And at that point I found the humor stale. It's a lot of toilet humor, there's a decent amount of this person is a small person humor and humor. Trust me when I say this, I've been on the wrong end of it is subjective. There are times that you think something is very funny and you stand in front of an audience of 800 people and you say it and they disagree. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And Borderlands three was a moment where me as the audience did not find it funny. I thought it felt a little outdated, a little sophomoric in a way that didn't click and Tiny Tina's is the opposite end of the spectrum. I think the humor is not elevated to be high art, but it has moved past a lot of that sophomore humor that existed in Borderlands 3 and to me felt stale. And it hangs its hat a lot on um, the D&D tropes and stuff like that and fantasy tropes. And Tiny Tina is such a wonderful character. And I mean this with all of the love reminds me of my youngest daughter in so many ways. Like she's just always like let's go baby like just that personality it's super cute and endearing and i love the way that she brings that actually brings that character back again in tiny tina's like you mentioned andrew have we seen the character kind of evolve through the borderlands um franchise i think she handles it wonderful as as this dm role player character has a lot of fun with it and i really love the way that this game Jeff, you mentioned you start with a melee weapon, and I like how this game makes the melee pretty awesome. Like, not even late game, mid-game melee weapon is a very much valid option to run as your main in a lot of ways. And for me, before Borderlands was never that. If someone got within a five-foot radius of me, I felt like I failed. (laughs) You know, like Borderlands was maximum explosions very far away. And if someone got close, it was like, dang it. 
I messed up. And now there are times where I'll draw people in to go to town on my, whatever my enchanted mythical thing is at this time. And I've mentioned on this show a lot, I love shooting in powers and what tiny Tina's does is it brings replaces grenades with magic and it's still, you know, grenades in borderlands are pretty fantastical as is, but making that, that slight genre switch of making left bumper bumper left trigger uh, magic now instead of grenades is just, again, scratches that destiny itch in a big way feels really fun and cool to do. And some of those abilities as they um, depending on how you build out your character and as they progress is really fun and rewarding. And I love that. Uh, I think it's what a third, a fifth, it's not far into the game. You get to have a subclass where you're kind of not locked in the same way that you were um, before in a lot of other role-playing style games. And it kind of just lets you play. I really, yeah. really love that. Um, but, I'm know, not I, an in-game I will content say Christian, yet, but go ahead. I will say that the, like the other Borderlands games to me, maybe this is just me personally, but I've always felt like the classes in Borderlands aren't really that different from each other. I mean, they are, but they're not because you're dependent on the, it's a loot game, right? So the loot that you get is really what differentiates you from somebody else. And the, the perks of the class are nice and they're cool. And maybe you get a turret with one and maybe you get a bird with another or whatever, but it's not, and I kind of feel like this game is that way too. Like there's well, all I this think, car- character creation and, and make a class. And that's, uh, I do. I'm going to disagree with you there. Right. I think the classes are, are very, but it's all about how you play. It's like, if you're going to focus your build on the guns in the game versus on your abilities, and that's the play style that you have. And that's, that's okay. But to say that the classes are identical or kind of play the same is meh. Nay, nay, sir. I'm going to disagree. Well, I didn't say the word identical, but I, I do. I just no, didn't you th- did. You just did. I heard you say it. You <laughs> literally that, just said it. <laughs> it's just not a for me. Not enough variety in the in the classes. I because everything is so dependent on what spell you have uh, equipped, what weapon you have equipped. You know all all that stuff. But maybe I'm have not well, think- uh, given it enough credit for having uh divergent classes but i just felt like i played two or three of the classes and i was like it's just like borderlands to me it's like yeah it's basically the same thing in the, in the course of playing it but that's not saying it's a bad thing it's just not tons of variety it's not the most hardcore rpg where like i'm a dwarf or i'm a mage or you know that broad but i do think it, it is on your and especially in tiny tina's it's on your character sheet right so like while what you see the guns we're carrying might look the same my chance of a critical hit, what happens in that event, what my magic's able to do, all that stuff is pretty different across classes. And I think that's where then it can reinforce your play style with how you want to use those things. Cause you, like I know what my melee is going to be. I know how I'm going to attack with range with my magic. Um, and so I think that's where you're able to play my really only, and I'm playing on PC. Uh, I know there are complaints of stuttering again. I'm on a 3080, it has been flawless, like great frame rate. I have everything on ultra. It's stunning and runs beautifully for me on PC. I feel bad saying this because really my only real nit with the game right now is I wish it did. And maybe it does in, in late game stuff that I'm not at yet, but I wish it did a little more of letting tiny Tina play. Like one of my favorite games of that is um, call of war as gunslinger, where it's like this very much unreliable narrator. And it's like, I walked into a bar now surrounded by five people. Five people, that's not that many people. I thought you were a badass. 
I was surrounded by 25 people. And then like, the you game, know, 20 the game does a lot of, there's that moment toward the beginning where, you know, she's like, it has C4. And like, well, that's not very fantasy fantasy yes. four. You know, I thought that was kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. That's why I feel bad mentioning it as a knit. I want more of it. Like yeah. I love when it's there and I kind of want it to all be that. And then Jeff, this might be a different longer discussion that we have somewhere else, but I love how it handles my problem uh, with the Ludo narrative <laughs> dissonance that everybody points to about shooty shoots. But what has really weighed me down over the years is this idea of you are the sacred one, go solve this problem, but also go help me make these baskets. Like tiny Tina's is like, you are the so- chosen one, go solve this big problem, but also who cares, baby. And I'm like, thank you in game for acknowledging how ludicrous this is. It doesn't matter. Everything is fun. Cause we're just playing in this make believe world and I love that they came up with the air quote solve for it. And I wish more games would. It doesn't have to be silly like that. I think there are other serious ways to do it. And I've harped about it enough on this show. So I'll save it for like a bonus <laughs> content sometime. But more and more, it grates on me of like, you are, you have to, like when Siri, I'm talking about Horizon, guys. It's really bothering me. errands that you have to do? Like there's literally a list of errands that you have to go around <laughs> while you're saving them, the world. Yes. Yeah. But yes, but like, I like how Tiny Tina handles it where it's just like game thing. fun and flippant and whatever. And at some point you hit this level gate thing and she's like, yeah, but what did you expect? You got to go do these other things again. Go get stronger, dude. And I'm like, yes, Tiny Tina, you are well, it's out yeah. there. Let's go play. It's skewering the entire, all of the yes. tropes, you know, and, yes. and I think it does it very, very well and very smartly. And there's lots of really fun moments. And yeah, it, absolutely. It feel, yeah. It feels like a game back to back fun moments uh, connected by fun, satisfying gameplay. And that's enough. Like it doesn't have to be, is it going to be my game of the year? Is it going to be my top five? No, but am I probably going to put a lot of time into this game? Yeah, because it's just easy breezy it's not cover punishing girl either like the first moment that you walk up to the character creator vending machine they make a joke about how yeah it's free it doesn't cost you anything if you want to completely change the way your face looks yeah we're not gonna lock you into a hairstyle or a hair color or a nose shape for the whole game you can literally change your entire character's look at a whim and it's gonna cost you nothing yeah and I love that they kind of hit that right on the nose of being like, hey, we're just here to have fun. This game is about just whimsical fun that you have with your friends and we're not here to punish you. We're not here to make it grueling. But is it skill-based? Yeah, of course it's still skill-based. You know, it's still a shooter. I think sometimes people lose sight that these Gearbox games are at their core an FPS game that has a lot of RPG elements but they still are at their base a shooter, right? So I think sometimes people are, are wanting more RPG elements, but it's like, well, that's not the kind of game that Gearbox makes, and maybe mm-hmm. they will make that game in the future, like we were talking about. But I love, I love it for what it is, and I also want to call out and give them props for just having such amazing gender fluidity moments in some of their characters that we don't get to see enough in video games. I'm saying like, hey. Do you know what gender this character is? No. Does it matter? Absolutely not. You can pick this body type or that one. It literally says this one or that one. You can pick what kind of voice right. you want. They don't They don't gender lock anything. And I think, you know, we're seeing more developers really lean into that inclusivity, but we're not quite over that hump yet. 
And I get that narratively for some games, it doesn't necessarily make sense. But when it can be an option and it's not an option, it's a bummer. And that's why I'm so glad that Gearbox is like, we're going to just throw everything in the kitchen sink and you can decide how you want your character to be. Yeah, I agree. And as much as I've enjoyed the Borderlands games, I think this might be my favorite of them. Same. It's just so much fun and it, it doesn't have... Any of the sort of seriousness, even Borderlands is funny, but there's like a little, the tiniest sliver of seriousness. This game is like, no, we're not even doing that. <laughs> it's just all goof times. And I mean, I'm, I'm here for it. You know, I, and I love the, I love the feel of the world, you know, the rainbow unicorn cities and, and, you know, fantasy trappings. You're right, Christian. It's gorgeous. It supports super ultra wide natively. Love that. Uh, it's, uh, it's super fun, super fun. I, you know, we're in such a crazy glut of games right now of, of really high caliber games that this feels like a game that might fall between the cracks for some, but it is very fun and you can play it with your friends and you'll, I local split screen. Yeah. Who's doing that anymore? Nobody. Yeah. So that's Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. We're all big fans. Uh, what else have you been playing, Andrea? Well, if people follow me on Twitter, they probably have seen me tweeting about the thing that literally everybody else is tweeting about. That's right, Elden Ring. <laughs> so I am not a From Software person. Mm-hmm. Never played the original Demon Souls. I dabbled a little bit in Dark Souls 3. I tried out Bloodborne. And I was like, you know what? I ain't got the time to have the game just like slap me in the face over and over again. Like that's what it feels like to play yeah. from software games. It's like they're like, Will Smith and you're Chris Rock. Exactly. Well, no, I feel like it's it's way worse than that. Because <laughs> I watched the clip and it didn't seem that bad. It seemed like uh, a little chip. I still haven't but, even seen the clip. I'm I'm still uh, waiting till we finish to watch that. I, I feel like the people who love these souls bros what i call them um and i'm not talking about the pleasant kind compassionate souls born players and there i know you are out there and thanks thank you for showing up in my feed when i needed you (laughs) but the souls bros are also always there to be like you just don't get it yeah (laughs) and so i've stayed away because i really think a lot of their fandom is toxic in a a way that i just do not have time for it's just not what i want to choose to spend my minutes on this planet with yep but everybody and their dog was talking about this game. And as somebody who is part of a voting jury for the Game Awards, I know that this is going to come up later in the year. So I was like, I got to play at least enough of this game to feel competent to to vote on if I think it deserves awards or not later on. Right? So yeah. here I am playing it. And I keep logging back in and playing it. The next day, I'm like, hmm, I feel like I want to log back in and play it. Why don't I go to YouTube and look up some guides about what I should be doing? And now I'm looking at subreddits and watching wiki videos. And I'm like, what's happened to me? What is, what's going on? I never like Soulsborne games. Um, and I think I don't actually like this game. I think like Brian <laughs> Crescente was tweeting about, I think I love to hate this game and I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> this is the uh, bad reality TV of video games for you? Yes. <laughs> yes, like- it is. It's like when you start watching Too Hot to Handle and you're like, I know this is trash TV. Why am I watching this? And you're like, but I just want to find out what happens. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think for everybody out there, like I 
absolutely laud from software on what they've achieved with this game. I think their formula shines in an open world setting, but I also think that the open world setting provided them with a lot of hurdles that I don't think they cleared. And some of those are technical and some of those are design. And I think that those problems and those hurdles are what what's going to keep me from fully enjoying this game the way that a lot of other people clearly are. I absolutely think that there's something unique about the way that From Software has boss designs and combat design encounters. The aesthetics and the production design of their worlds are some of the most unique that we see in video games. I think a lot of that, you know, is Miyazaki's influence. I was talking with Alexa Ray Korea, uh, a good friend of mine and former coworker, but now video game writer, um, about if she thought that George R.R. R. Martin's influence in the game kind of helped broaden the audience for this game in a way that maybe it wouldn't have if he hadn't been involved. And, you know, we both kind of agreed that, you know, maybe people heard that he was involved in the game and they decided to give it a shot. And so I think that those touches really make it an appetizing thing for gamers, especially when everyone's talking about it. But it's just... It's so frustrating when we're in the year 2022 and there's just basic multiplayer functionality not built into the game. And there's basic single player functionality not built into the game. I mean, even Sekiro had a freaking pause button. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I had a tweet this week that went viral uh, uh, that it wasn't even comparing Elden Ring to Horizon Forbidden it? West. Oh, so yeah. what movie I what movie co- did you compare? You. I quoted you too. Yeah. yeah. What movie did you compare uh this game to? No, what no. did you do? Yeah, what I did know. you do? Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. Um the uh yeah, I didn't even You compare. brought it up. It just referenced Elden Ring and uh <laughs> I just said, "Yeah, I know Elden Ring. Everybody's talking about Elden Ring, but Oh yeah. It, it, wouldn't it be great if we could all uh not forget the fact that I think or not. I didn't even say Horizon that. is just, a superior game. I didn't say superior. <laughs> oh, no. I, I, said, I did. I just did. Come at me, fanboys. Well, Come at me, bro. It's the one I currently prefer as well. But I, I didn't compare them. I said, I know everybody's talking about Elden Ring. I just want to say, I think uh, it would be awesome if more people were talking about Horizon Forbidden West because I think it's superb on every level. And then How it just became you. this firestorm of like, <laughs> those two games compare fight, people fighting in my mentions. <laughs> and it's like, I well, didn't even mean to do that. Um, yeah. But I, I think when you hit it, though, is that it's frustrating that we as people who have been looking at games and talking critically about games for years recognize that it can be a wonderful game, but it has legitimate problems. And for some reason, even people, our peers in this industry, are just glossing over these very big problems that the game has from a technical standpoint at the very least. So sure, we can disagree about design choices that's fine but like technically it's broken in a variety of ways and people are like i don't care it's still the best game ever made i'm like it can't be table flip it can't be yeah i mean i i don't disagree with you i i think for a lot of people you know it's it's not a bug it's a feature uh in a lot of those things and the the sort of intentional obfuscation of everything, the intentional, um, you know, difficulty making things where it's the game doesn't meet you halfway. You have to go all the way is a bit, uh, is a bit, is the thing people like about it, you know? And I'm in your camp, at least at the moment, because I haven't really given the game as fair shake as I 
plan to. But um, I definitely am more annoyed at the lack of conveniences and the lack of basic functionality on certain a certain level um, than I am appreciative of it. But I think for some folks that it, it feels to them like a throwback or a, um, you know, they earn a a thing in a way that most games don't ask of them. And that is rewarding when they sort of make it through that gauntlet. Um, But I'm doing a terrible job of speaking. I'm I'm like dying to like know what, if you're, what side of the fence you're on. I love Elden Ring. I I will likely never see the end of it um, just because of my skill cap. Sekiro was my most played um, Xbox game. I played it on Xbox the year it came out. Um, Bloodborne, I don't think I've beaten a single, seen credits on a single from software game, but Bloodborne, a lot of Bloodborne, that's the first game that really clicked with me. I think the faster speed uh, of that game. Sekiro I loved. Elden Ring I, I really love, and I think for me it is i agree like pause and like you can pause first first you hit this button then this button then you wink four times and then it's paused hopefully they don't patch it and yes i'm playing the ps4 version on my ps5 because that's the only way to get a locked 60 frames per second so i i i would love for them to have an announcement like cd project red like we're making our next game on unreal 5 and i would be like oh good i love you from software but your engine could use some help and i would love to it doesn't need to be unreal, but you know, whatever, like that kind of stuff. But I think between it and horizon horizon, I am struggling with that narrative pull. It feels it is, it is wonderful. It's well-made. I get into an awesome combat experience in horizon and everything clicks. And I'm like, this is what I'm here for. This is incredible. This is beautiful. And then a lot of the parts of the game feel like I've done it a million times. Yeah. I'm getting sensations of like Ubisoft open world fatigue. And so then I'll go to mainline the campaign and then I'll end up under level recommended level for the next mission. And then it will recommend, but then I've done all the side quests on my quest log. Cause clearly I didn't spend enough time in the town picking up all the side quests, but I didn't want to do that because so I'm kind of in this like familiar game experience rut with horizon Whereas in the first horizon, that narrative was super compelling to me. And here with this one, even after I'll be very vague, the drop, it still hasn't really got its teeth into me. And Elden Ring feels fresh in a way. I'm trying to think of like a food analogy, but it's like, you know, you've been getting sushi at your local sushi restaurant your entire life and you like it. And then you go to the whatever restaurant in New York and there's no menu and the chef's just like this. The omakase experience. Yes. And you're just like, oh my good like i didn't like that one but this one's incredible and what's next and you everything's exciting and that's how elden ring feels to me right now and i think because it's open world nature don't get me wrong i'm hitting my head on the wall a lot in elden ring but because of the open world nature i feel like there's always something for me to do whereas in bloodborne and dark souls 3 i think is one i just played a tiny bit of and even sekiro it was like oh no this is this is what I need to do. This is what I need to do. And I couldn't get past it. And eventually that became frustrating. And with Elden Ring, I could technically just farm the ghouls in that opening field ad nauseum and eventually be level a thousand, you know, or whatever it takes. Like there's always something to do. And so it feels fresh and new in a way that <laughs> other games don't. And that I like it's how exciting. Christian's example of a game feeling fresh is I could farm ghouls no, in the opening no, no. area. 
No, no, so no, fresh. I, I was I, saying I, that the game feels fresh. Hold on. The game feels fresh. And then the difference from other from games mm, that it gives you. I, I'm not saying that's what I'm doing, I, but everything fair. else about it feels different I, and exciting. I 100% agree with you that it feels different and fresh, but I think it felt fresh just for a minute. And then I was like, I feel like I've had this experience before. And I was like, oh, yeah, when I played Skyrim for the first time, this is what it felt like. It felt like there was this giant world that opened up. But wouldn't you know it, that game had a quest log. That game had menu systems that you could read and an RPG system that you could track. You know, I I think what's frustrating to me is I really want to fall madly in love with Elden Ring because I think there's so much of it that's really magical. Like going into like finding a door in the mountainside tucked behind a tree. You're like, oh, I found a secret dungeon. This is exciting or a catacomb or something. And it hasn't really been since I played Elder Scrolls, which was that like 2012, 2011, whenever that Skyrim came out, I have to look it up, that I've had that kind of sense of discovery. I think, I don't know why. I have to just be honest. And I think it's irrational. And I am saying it out loud, knowing it's irrational, but I just get so irrationally mad when people are like, it's so innovative what From Software is doing. And I'm like, no, it's not been done before they're just not doing it well <laughs> like, i will admit that the game looks beautiful when you're playing it on the right settings when i played it first on xbox series x and i don't know why but it looked like trash i'm gonna say it looked like a ps3 game i was playing on series x and then i literally bought a second copy of the game because i'm a monster because i had a friend who's playing on playstation who volunteered to come in and help carry me through some boss fights and I played it on a PS5 now, and it looks way better. Um, but I still keep thinking, like, I just want to know what I'm doing. Like, I've now played probably 30 or 40 hours, which is way more than I ever intended to play. And now I'm just, like, a little bored of farming. I'm like, you know, I could keep running around on Torrent and running away from stuff, running from, you know, touch of grace to touch of grace to just unlock the map. And that's going to be fun for a little bit. But I do want to, like, fight stuff eventually and not just get killed every time. And so I'm trying to figure out, like, how I can how I can balance balance that out. I just, you know, I really – I this is why I say I love to hate this game because I clearly keep coming back to it. And I clearly keep looking up guides on how to get good at this game. Um, which I, you know, don't do anymore. But I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just get mad about it. It makes me mad. Let, let's see that Elden Ring tattoo on your back. I know it's there. It's. <laughs> I mean, uh, so it was a patron's discussion, right, Jeff? I think we had Danish was on and talked about how he yeah. kind of unlocked the game in his head, and I think it was interesting to hear him talk about like the combat and how he came at it from um, like, like a former fighting game perspective and and how. Elden Ring asks of you differently as a player and how to engage in these combats. Cause I think you look at them and it's like you could watch a let's play of someone taking down a boss in Elden Ring and someone taking down a huge beast in horizon. And it might look the same in terms of like what's happening, like a third person action game, rolling combat, striking from afar, going in for melee. But the way that those two things actually happen in terms of the player interaction, I think is fundamentally different in approach. And I think that's kind of what it, what it brings fresh to the franchise or, or to the genre where I agree it does do a lot of what um, Skyrim and uh, that ilk have done before in terms of world and exploration. But I think that kind of combined with the 
the from combat. Um, I don't know, but I also should say that this past week, when I sit down at my computer, I'm double clicking on Tiny Tina's every single time <laughs> when I have the choice between easy breezy fun for game time, easy breezy so, fun. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's something to be said for that. There's nothing. It's nothing less than to say, hey, I want to sit down and have some easy breezy fun and not have to like not have to beat myself up or beat myself up is even overstating it, but just think real hard. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta think real hard. Yeah, and you do have to like to keep think. a pen and paper or like a a note note system somewhere because the game does none of it for you. And I think that to me is like we're in an era of game development where there's so many tools at their disposal to say, but this is just the way they wanted to design the game. I think is such a cop out. I honestly think they were too ambitious for their engine and their engine just cannot run all the systems that an RPG of that scale needs in order to run properly. And they're just missing. And I'm hoping that from software will patch some stuff. And we've seen them do a couple big patches now post launch. Um, some, some of them, the fans are uh, <laughs> not so happy with um, some of them. They are, but uh, you know, I, I don't think we're going to get like an overhaul of like the menu system, for example. Yeah. But I really just, for some reason, I just get irrationally mad when people make these excuses. And I'm like, this game could have been the best game that we've seen in, in the last tw- 10 years, 20 years, if I think they had made just some different design, basic design choices. And they didn't. Doesn't mean the game is bad because obviously I'm talking about it. I'm playing it. I'm enjoying my time as much as I'm hating my time with it. And if I truly hated this game, I wouldn't be talking about it and I wouldn't be playing it at all. So I think that that says something that's making people feel. You could literally, as Jeff knows, you can tweet anything with the words Elden Ring in it and like <laughs> you'll get 500 responses. And yeah. I think that that says something. This is clearly the trending game of 2022. Uh, 11 million copies sold of, uh, 13 I million 13? i think yeah. yeah not it's not nothing it's not nothing and again if you want to write write andrea about what she thinks write her not me <laughs> please do can, i'd be happy to block you you can do that by going to at jeff canada on yeah, twitter where you find <laughs> andrea's direct line uh, all right um christian you there's another another big game that came out this week, uh, and you have been playing a little of that. Tell me about it. Dare I say, if this year continues at this pace, 2022 will go down. I think as the greatest year in video games. Like it will also my, end us. Yes, yes, it will. Maybe <laughs> not my favorite game of all time much. will get released this year, but just it's just like nonstop critical consensus eights, nines, and tens, just non. Stop. And if you all want to talk about a difficult game, like we talked about how Tiny Tina is easy breezy fun. We talked about Elden Ring being hard. I have a hard game for you. I'm just kidding. It's not hard. Um, Kirby and the Forgotten Land is the game, and it is on Switch. And Andrea and Jeff, it is amazing. It is so delightful. It is Kirby in 3D for the first time. And it, it's, it feels like a safe approach to 3d where it feels like the super mario 3d world uh 3dification of a game versus um galaxy or what was the hat one that just came out the other odyssey odyssey thank you um the hat one the hat one the hat one um super mario hat which i think is interesting they should have called it this game 
Kirby and the Forgotten Land very much could have been a Mario game with that hat mechanic, where in Odyssey you are kind of taking powers when you hat things. Um, but it kind of has that 3D world, 3D approach where, yes, it's 3D, but it kind of feels like a linear path, but you're looking for secrets. And it is that um, thing that Nintendo does so very well. Other games certainly have is also, but what Nintendo does so very well is that completing the, the level is one thing. And that's all you need to do to advance to the next level. But then there's five other things that you can do in the level as well. You know, collect all the this, unlock the this, five the, find the five this, find the secret of this, unlock the that. And those things each become increasingly more difficult in a puzzle sense or exploring the world sense. And, I mean, it goes back to donkey kong country right or even mario 3 back in the day in that style of game and seeing kirby now brought into this beautiful 3d landscape and what (laughs) the fun puzzles that big mouth mode brings to the table where you know pretty early in the game you eat a staircase like a (laughs) two-story or three-story staircase i feel like i could eat a staircase right now Oh, poor Jeff's so hungry. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kirby eats everything, Jeff. Just delicious. Food. Um, and Terrible so, person. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's just really fun to see that interactivity. And there are these little, so many, and on every level, these aha moments that feel like micro, you know, portal moments to create a, a touch point for people that most people have played, where it's like, oh, oh, if I do this here, then I get to do this this is incredible. And you have that, that joy and that euphoria that hits as you kind of figure out this thing to get the last fruit on a tree stump to get the thing that you're only getting for the sake of doing right. There's no, I don't even know if switch has trophies or achievements. I don't think it does. Does it? No, not that I pay attention to. And so you're literally doing it just to see the hundred percent at the end of the level or whatever it is. Um, But Nintendo and how laboratories on, on this game, they design some of the most beautifully deceivingly simple levels of, of any game that you'll play where you kind of run through and like, Oh, that's cool. That's fun. And then it's like, Oh, Oh, there's so much more I can do here. And seeing Kirby in this new world, in this new landscape, it is just an absolute delight. When I fired it up, my kids were watching uh, and my oldest goes, Oh, wow, this is incredible. Kirby's in the same world as those. Um, what was that game called, Dad? That game with those two girls on the horse. I think you said they went to Seattle. I can't believe Kirby's in that same world. And I'm like, oh, The Last of Us Two. And she's like, yeah. I can't believe Kirby's in The Last of Us. <laughs> I can't believe now. you played The Last of Us Two with your daughters. <laughs> I sh- I did show them the open world Seattle part because it's so beautiful. Um, but like, it's clearly not but i thought like the innocence of a child to see that kirby is now in a world the human world as people of you know the nature has I just taken over the sh- building i just want to show them two things the open world seattle part and then that part where joel gets beat to death with a with a club that just those <laughs> parts. jeff i took him straight to the end i wanted them to know what pain and suffering felt like so i made <laughs> oh, them watch it no. i made them i held them down and then i let go no um but it's just cute to see this moment of like wow it's the same game and now you're playing as kirby <laughs> um but it is it is fantastic kirby and the forgotten land i think will likely be a forgotten title by many because it is not mario um but it it could be like everything about this game this could be a flagship 3d mario super mario 3d world 2 
you know, but using the hat mechanic for to take on those powers. And I think people would have eaten it up. If you love that style of game, that game that only Nintendo can make, where the joy of doing is the reason to do, um, Kirby and the Forgotten Land will 100%, I guarantee, scratch that itch. It, and it's beautiful looking on Switch as well. And it's, there's multiplayer too, Jeff, where you can play with your kid. Oh, really? No, I, um, I got to get it for my five-year-old, right? Because he's going to love it. It's fan- And there's also an easy mode, which I wish Elden Ring did borrow from tunic in that regard and give you a no fail mode accessibility options they're real nice like everyone should have (laughs) come at me souls bros come at me (laughs) come at me for got kirby bros so john is playing this game next to me on the couch while i'm playing tiny tina and he just keeps exclaiming over and over again every little thing that he finds and how much joy he's getting out of it. He's like, this game is so good. And I'm like, I'm not normally a Kirby person, but I feel like I have to play this game now. It is it is it is that. I mean, it is a, a dopamine hit of joy constantly. It is – I don't want to use the word cute because that feels like I'm doing it a disservice. But it is, but it just, is cute. It's cute and it's fun and it's creative and, and big mouth mode while disturbing. I'm not going to say it's not disturbing. It's incredible. The fun things you get to do with it. The car is just the, it's the absolute best. I love this game. I, I'll probably be talking about it at the end of the year. Well, probably not because next month's going to be full of more tens, but. Well, the, you know, the, the Kirby franchise, again, underrated. And I think, I don't want to say something blasphemous, although we're, we're doing a lot of that tonight. Um, I might like more Kirby games more than I like. Mario games? I don't know. They're, I love oh, the Mario games. I love Mario games. But there's there there are there are Kirby games that your de- your kid walks in and is like, "Dad, you are dead I to know, me." Right? <laughs> I mean, I love Mario. I, I love Mario games. I love the, a lot of Mario games. But I will. I'll take you know, uh, Kirby and the Canvas Curse. I'll take Kirby and the what's the? There's like there's so many. It's just such a. a a franchise that goes crazy places and does wacky things and has new mechanics in almost every game. And yes, Mario does that. I mean, I don't need to compare things. What am I doing? I don't need Mario to compare. Mario's great. That. Kirby's great. I just feel Mario like. Mario sucks, right? He's just the worst. You're right. You know, Look Mario and Elden Ring. pressing Peach this whole time. If there's two terrible games, it's any Mario <laughs> game and Elden Ring. Am I right? Am I right, audience? Hey, <laughs> our listenership is way up. So I want to say right now that after you listen to that, my name, I'm just kidding. I'm just saying that people don't talk about Kirby with the reverence they talk about these other franchises, and it it, it is a it is deserving of it. It is deserving of it. it, it they're always so wild and different and fun and whimsical. They bring the whimsy, and I love whimsy. My only nit for Kirby and the Forgotten Land, and you don't really need it because it is that 3D world style 3D world. You can't invert the Y axis. I am a invert. Oh, that's because OG. you are. You are, and you can't. There's not even an option. You're, you're, I can't believe I agreed to come on this podcast. I did not know you were an invert. Mm. Yeah, he's, he's a weirdo. Sorry, I've mistake. been playing games for my whole life, so I was raised on single analog stick. Kirby, the one message Kirby has for you is not get good, but just get right, get correct. <laughs> okay, left-handed mouse, get out of here! How dare you? How dare oh, wait, you? Do you use a left-handed mouse? I do. I'm left-handed. I'm left-handed too, but oh. I use a right-handed mouse like a person. Because you've conformed to the to the to the rightriarchy. <laughs> I've honestly never tried a left-handed mouse. Maybe it'll have an epiphany. Big right hand, hardcore PC oh. 
PC Plus, gamer afterwards. I've what I wouldn't seen give. some of your Warzone shots. I can't <laughs> imagine playing against you with an actual left-handed mouse, Andrea. You'd climb the leaderboards even faster. She's like, she's like uh, Princess Bright, and I am not right-handed. And then uh, she switches up and you're like, oh! <laughs> Ted Lasso playing darts. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, exactly. Uh, spoiler. We're, we're all doing spoilers tonight. Um, the, For a two-year-old or three-year-old show. Yeah, sorry. Oh, and I was... Uh, how old is The Last of Us Part Two? Still fresh in my mind. <laughs> One year old, ba- barely. Two years old. Um, <laughs> okay, two, fine. What I wouldn't give, Andrea, to go back in time and to tell myself, just leave the mouse on the right-hand side and just force yourself to learn it. You know how much of my life would be easier if I'd just done that? <laughs> Nobody... I. I'm still like shook. The first time I heard about left-handed mouse was probably in my like early 30s. I was like, wait, that's a thing that exists? And people are like, yeah, you've never tried a left-handed mouse and you're left-handed? I was like, no, I just always use the right-handed mouse because I thought there was only one way to use a mouse. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm the guy that would go to E3 and walk up to the kiosk and be like, I'm sorry, I got to move this to the other side. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff even has a left-handed a left-handed trackpad on his laptop. Uh, as yeah. you do if you're left-handed, <laughs> I guess. All right, enough of this nonsense. We uh we have uh, I think systematically uh infuriated everybody in some in some way tonight, <laughs> which is uh mission accomplished. Um <laughs> Hey, we do have parting gifts coming up, but this is going to do it for this episode of DLC. Uh, so stick around for those parting gifts because we're going to do that. And we got the whole bonus show, DLC bonus show that Christian and I will do as well. But Andrea Renee, you are the best. Thank you for being here. We love you. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. This was fun. And hopefully no one takes, you know, my comments about Elden Ring too seriously. I do think it's a really great game. But Tiny Tina, man, so much fun. It's all, yeah. it's games. It's games. No use getting so upset. It's a great time to be a video game fan. I think we can all oh. universally agree. Unbelievable. There is something literally between Elden Ring and Tiny Tina and Kirby. There's something for everybody right now. Truly. And that's just one week. I mean, it's insane. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. There were... There were years of my life when if a game like Tiny Tina's Wonderlands came out, it'd be like, what? Games are incredible. A whole year of game, you know that? But now that's just like a blip in the constant stream of magnificence that is video games. Anyway, uh, tell folks so they can keep up with you and all of the awesome things that you put out on the internet. Sure, the best place to follow me is always on Twitter, at Andrea Renee. It's where I link everything um, from working with Twitch gaming. I just did the ID at Xbox Showcase, which was really fun, to episodes of What's Good Games. Wherever you guys listen to DLC and podcast form, you can also find What's Good Games. Hopefully, you guys will check us out. We have our five-year anniversary coming up. Wow. Just a couple months. Well, actually, in a, in a month, which is kind of wild to think about. So that's kind of that uh, pretty exciting. So, so like yeah, I look just forward started. to hopefully getting back into games more. But, you know, baby, baby Amazing. life. Today, <laughs> uh, speaking of anniversaries, today, as we record this, the 27th of March, uh, is the 15th anniversary of the first episode of the Totally Rad Show. Yay! Which is my first internet thing, which is uh, crazy. I'm old. Anyway, uh, Christian, what do you got going on this week? <sighs> Apparently looking for an anniversary to celebrate. Um, this has been, uh, um, I have a newsletter where I write long form about video games that you can find at tinyletter.com slash 
Christian Spicer. I do about one or two a month. The one I am working on right now is this, as I'm mentally struggling and wrestling with, the idea of um, open world games and side missions. I, I, I think it's super interesting topic to cover and address i'm trying to get my thoughts out uh myself before i throw them at jeff or a guest (laughs) i want to try to solidify my own thoughts because some of my favorite moments in gaming have been side missions and other times i get very frustrated by even the notion (laughs) of them so that will be coming in the newsletter which is again tinyletter.com slash christian spicer uh and then twitter is the best way to see other stuff at spicer s-p-i-c-e-r and then this show I usually stream live, not this week because I'm on the beach, Um, but I usually stream it live on my Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. And then Jeff, I've heard we've, you know, maybe put our logo on some cool stuff that people might get to see maybe next week. Yes, yes, yes. That announcement is forthcoming, but we, uh, we will have uh, this, this logo is so cool. Hopefully you've all seen it by now. Uh, We're so happy with it. And uh, I think it's going to be something you want to emblazon on your person. So we're going to make that possible. Like Andrea's uh, Elden Ring tattoo. You can get yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you can also follow me. I'm on Twitter at uh, Jeff Canada, which is spelled two N's and one T. And I got other shows you might want to check out, including the film cast, which is about movies and TV shows. And, uh, oh gosh, what else? We got, we have concerns, which is my comedy science show I do with Anthony Carboni. You can find that at wehaveconcerns.com. Uh, the dungeon run. This is my last, uh, last week on the dungeon run. Wednesday will be my final show on the dungeon run. Yep. 115 episodes, uh, over 440 hours of, of content, uh, story created by me. Very, very proud of it. Hopefully, we I really thought last week was going to be the last week. As uh, there was some stuff, I don't want to spoil it. People that are behind, but there was some stuff that was happening, and I was like, "Is he just going to end it? Right? There's not getting out of this. There's no way." I tweeted it out, and I felt bad as I tweeted it, like live tweeted it out as it happened. But uh, some characters got into some stuff, buddy. Uh, yeah, we're we're it, crescendoing. We're crescendoing. So check it out. You can find that on Twitch, twitch.tv slash the Dungeon Run, or YouTube, or as an audio podcast works well too uh also um the fan controlled football show which you can find at twitch.tv slash fcf i feel like i'm leaving something out but it that's enough all right let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts Andrea wrote her parting gift as a question uh, in our document, to which I will answer an enthusiastic yes, yes, but I will always talk about it more because I love it with my whole heart. Andrea, what's your parting gift? My question was, have you talked about Bluey? And obviously, you guys may have deduced that I am a parent now. We talked about it at the top of the show. Um, I have a 10-month-old, and when she was very young, John and I started – watching some kids content just because we're like, you know, just let's have some kids content on the back. And so, of course, you know, you go to Disney Junior, you know, full disclosure, my husband does work for Disney. Um, And this show Bluey came on and I was like, oh, I love their accents. They're Australian. This is great. But then you actually watch the show and it's like, this is actually the best kids program I've ever seen. Of I, all I don't care time. I've watched these episodes a million times because they're all so good. Yeah. 
It's a, it's it's genius. It literally every part of it is genius. The music is genius. The I don't know how they get the vocal performances out of the little kids that they get. I don't know they're, what they're actual children. I know actual they won't even reveal doing... their names because they don't want the the kid. But the performances are god tier. They're I don't understand how you get those performances out of little people. It's incredible. The, the the art is beautiful. The design, the details of everything, the writing, like there's nothing that's not perfection. It's, a per- it's about literally Louis. perfect. And every uh, and time episode- I watch it, I'm like, I just need more of it. How how has somebody not bought this and just funneled millions of dollars into the production of this show? Yeah. It's- episodes are eight minutes, which is perfect if it's only one, but you can also watch all of them. We named our our new puppy after uh, Bingo, after the little sister. Oh, and Bluey, amazing. And it covers, you know, important issues too. Incredible. Like there's stuff that it hits that is important, and I think it does it in a way that is really good to introduce children to. And also, as a dad, the only bad part about Bluey is that the dad in Bluey is better than I will ever be. But there's an the episode dad. about that. He sets an impossible yeah. standard. There is. Though, I will say that John and I joke that you, Jeff, would probably get close as oh. like a master improviser. <laughs> like, I bet Jeff does his best to try to compete with Bandit. But like, Bandit <laughs> oh. sets this, Bandit's bar is like literally impossible to hit. My favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite episodes. By the way, my three-year-old daughter's uh, question when she meets somebody new is, what's your favorite episode of Bluey? Um, but my, one of my favorite episodes of Bluey is, probably. <laughs> well, that's a great one, but is, uh, that's dance what you're mode. saying is yours. It's a great one. Creepy, creepy dance great. mode, but is a, this episode called octopus, which is all about another dad. Like it's a friend of Bluey's that comes over and plays with bandit and is, has the great time and comes home to her dad and he can't be as cool as bandit. And the whole episode is how he can't live up to bandit. And so they have to figure out a way to relate on their own level. And it's gorgeous and beautiful and amazing. So, like, the show is even self-aware enough to know that Bandit is an unattainable <laughs> ideal. And yes. Chili is pretty great, too. I'll be honest. Chili is pretty great. You know, Chili is – yeah, Chili is wonderful. I mean, all of the characters are yeah. just so good. And I love how the, all the neighbors, like, commit to the bits, oh, too. yes. Which is, which is wonderful. So wonderful. And they do leave a, just a little bit of, like, magical – in there from time to time, you're like, they do so good at making everything grounded in realism. But then from time to time, they'll sprinkle in just like a little bit of, yeah. oh, this is not a real thing, but we're just going to add it in for funsies. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's great. It's fun. Like, obviously, you know, there's a lot of, you know, Karens on the internet ready to tell you that your kids shouldn't be watching screens. And I would immediately fire back. Screens are just ubiquitous and they're always going to be part of our kid's life. So don't come at me, bro, about my kid being on a screen. Like, they're going to watch screens. It's just part of what it is. And if they're going to be in front of a screen at some point, I want it to be quality content. And yep. all I need is more Bluey. I just need new episodes. It's so funny when, when John or I, like, stumble across an episode that we haven't watched because I'm pretty sure – I've watched them all. Um, he actually, you know, has a an adult job that he goes to. Um, <laughs> so he hasn't watched as much as I have. And he's like, have I not seen this? And I was like, oh, no, I've seen this one like five times. And he's like, I don't think I've seen this one. It's such a joy to stumble across a new episode of Bluey. Well, there's an entire How is John's adult job not getting more episodes of Bluey. Yeah, yeah. He you know, like, I tell him whatever he's doing. Time, I'm like, 
who has the money? You do. <laughs> Even though it's not his department. He you know, works in video games, not in children's animation. Well, but, there's a, what a waste. There's an entire third season <laughs> that has been released in the in, in Australia. So we have that. At least we know it's been made. And, and Wait, is this something I can VPN into? Yes, you can. Oh, yes, this is so exciting. Yes, you can. I know what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, is, is is the very best. Uh, all right, Christian, what is your parting gift? Not nearly as interesting, but there will be an interesting conversation about it. Um, there's a recipe that we actually ate tonight uh, that we eat often, and it is crispy gnocchi with burst tomatoes and mozzarella, and it's from the New York Times cooking app is how we discovered it. Um, it is incredible. It's, it, you know, of the same vein of the TikTok feta pasta dish in terms of like general ease, which that TikTok viral feta pasta dish also delicious. Um, but this crispy gnocchi dish is a regular in our house. It is incredible. Um, and I, Jeff, I kind of want to talk to you about some cooking stuff based on that and this, that, and the other. And I know it, you know, you, you've gotten more into it, and uh, I want to talk some recipes with you. Let's do it. We'll be doing that in the paid DLC show, which is exclusive to our patrons at patreon.com slash DLCpod. My parting gift, I have a, a number of things to talk to you about in the in the bonus show, but um, you know how a lot of folks are saying that it's only March, the end of March right now, and we've already seen game of the year for video games a lot of folks are saying elden ring nothing's going to beat it we've already it's only three months in to this year and yet game of the year has already come out i'm here to tell you that might also be the case with movies we may have already gotten or at least about to get the best movie of the year for me my favorite movie of the year i don't know how it's going to be topped and it is a movie called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. It stars Michelle Yeoh, and it is a work of utter mad genius. The only thing I can compare it to is the moment when I saw The Matrix for the first time in movie theaters. Not that they are anything like similar movies, but just that feeling of witnessing directors at the very top of their game, working on a level no one else is even attempting. Uh, that's the feeling I got with everything everywhere all at once. I believe it comes out April 8th. I got a chance to see it early run. Do not walk to see this movie. It is going to blow your mind and everyone is going to be talking about it. Is Every- it worth paying a hundred dollars for a babysitter to go? Yes. Hmm. Yes. You Andrea, I have never been more confident that you are going to love this movie. No, I'm confident I'm going to love it. I'm just like, is it going to be worth the theater cost? Because I love seeing movies in theaters. Yeah. I like really enjoy that experience. I haven't had it for over two years now because of the well, pandemic. You're in, the, and you're in your baby, but you're in your COVID grace period. Make take advantage of it. <laughs> I know, I know, I, I am. But again, childcare it's yeah. expensive. Man. It's no joke. It's no joke. I, I feel you. Um. Anyway, that's everything, everywhere, all at once, and it comes out soon. Uh, we did get a listener-suggested parting gift. This was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This was sent to us by Steve from London. Steve writes, my parting gift is for the metal fans in your audience who want to dent like computer. Oh, excuse me. Gent like computer. 
Let me explain. A musician and programmer named Dennis Martinson has been working on a project to procedurally generate songs in a specific style of metal known as gent, which is onomatopoeia for the sound the guitars make. Over the last few years, he's developed and refined a huge library of algorithms that generate drum patterns, ambient layering, rhythm guitar, bass, and randomsies. <laughs> oh, excuse me, and randomizes. <laughs> randomizes these elements within predefined rule sets to control things like song tempo, length, and intensity of each section, instrumentation, scales, and patterns. The result is an infinite amount of instrumental metal. It's incredibly listenable, and given its infinite nature and the lack of vocals, can be great working background music for people into metal. As I write this, I'm listening to track number 3,963. <laughs> He runs a 24-7 live stream on YouTube, which you can find by searching 24-7 Gent, which is spelled D-J-E-N-T. The URL changes every time the stream goes down and it has a selection of hand-picked tracks in the album called The Infinity Construct Chapter One, available wherever you get your music. Thanks, Steve from London. This is mind-boggling. I have to check this out. I've never heard of anything like it. Uh, but maybe it's the future so, of all things. Where it reminds me a little bit of this band that John introduced me to called Bang Camaro. Oh, yeah. I love Bang Camaro. Because they have AI written lyrics in right. their songs, right? He must know them because there's a track in Guitar Hero from Bang Camaro, right? Or Rock Band, one of the two? Yeah. yeah. That's how he knows them. But I yeah. think they have a song in Peacemaker. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. Yes. 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 The new, um, the new, the Beastmaker TV, TV series show, for yeah. people who are like maybe haven't heard about it. It's also wonderful. Very funny. If you guys haven't watched yeah. watched that show. Very it's funny. not Disney. It's not that good. It's fine. It's whatever. You know. Like, <laughs> I guess if you like that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess this might be the future of all music, where it's just the the computer wrote it. It's infinite. There's never a, a stop point. It's all good, and no humans needed. <laughs> yeah to be fair We're i useless. haven't been on this podcast for five years well it shows oh. christian everybody can tell <laughs> everybody can tell all right that's gonna do it for this episode of dlc thanks again to christian spicer and andrea renee for hanging out with me thanks to our musical contributors patrick l sean madigan and zero star for making those bumpers thanks to white cube for our brand new show music and i also need to thank our Hype Train patrons. Every single week, our Hype Train patrons get a shout-out at the end of the show. These are the most generous of our patrons, and we are grateful. So let's hit that music. Gotta thank Andy Joyce, Kyle Starr, Anthony Goulas, Riley Knox... Dan Flanagan, Sasan, Rob, Rickman, Hank, Patton, Adam, Denby, Scooby Diesel, Cheesy Bob, Victor Valenzuela, Jonathan Talbert, Chris Zacharias, Matt Bradley, Jeff Luxack, Will with one L Harris, Jonathan Putney, Mitchell Ness, Jimmy Radcliffe, Mark Gowland, Awesome U.S. Movies, Malcolm King, oh yes, 
The Switch Fits, Dan Palmino, Neil Shaw, Lloyd Nans, Scott Hughes, Ben, Kevin Brazell, Jenny, Nate, Stu Goss, Zachary White, Jonathan Spiceman Forever Schlepper, Yick, Albert, Furhildegaios, Sorensen, Spiceman Silencer, Supergarb, Travis, Mike Lombardo, Michael Buck, Jackson, Michael Stadler, Sleg, the Watashima Henny, Nick Strauss-Klein, Dad, Josh Peak, PSV, Christian Raver, Halo Wigger, Rescue, Clifton Satterfield, and Jason Novak. We'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.